Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. So if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 15. That's where we're going to be, and Landry and Justin are going to read our passage today for us. Good morning, Hill City. Luke 15, 11 through 24, the parable of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, give me, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there was... And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a server famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Awesome. It's awesome. Good job, Landry. They're not clapping for you, Justin. They're clapping for her. <laughs> what a great story. And it's easy to look at that, and, and we had even a, a child read that and say, what a great children's story. And it's easy to say, all right, we know the message, right? All of us, we've wandered away, and then there's people that have wandered away, and you can come back to God at any point, and God loves you, and okay, great story. But here's what I would like to to. to do today is actually look at this and say there's way more going on than that. A lot more going on than that. Because if you go to the beginning of Luke chapter 15, which is where this story is found, you'll see that this chapter actually consists of three stories. It's a story of a lost sheep and a shepherd who finds a sheep, a story of a lost coin, and then a story of a lost son. Now again, why in, the, in this passage, this narrative of Luke that he's writing, does he include these three stories? Well, you can find the beginning of Luke chapter 15, verse 1. That per, This verse precedes these stories. Here's what it says. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Jesus. One of the things that marked Jesus is wherever he went, tax collectors and sinners, those who were on the outcast, were drawn to him. 
and the Pharisees and the scribes. Now just think religious elite, the leaders of Israel, the, the, the religious leaders of this hyper-religious society. These religious elite, the heroes of Israel, the Pharisees and scribes, grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so this idea of Jesus here, and there's this big crowd of sinners and, 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 and tax collectors, and the Pharisees come and they're, they're angry, they're mad, they grumble that Jesus would be with him, is what sets the stage for these three stories that Jesus would tell. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now, Jesus, wherever he went, drew these people to himself like magnets, the sinners, the outcast. And here's what you have to note. In order to understand the story and really what's going on, you must understand the, the cultural values and what was going on at the time. To be a, what was called a sinner is to be the scum of the earth in that society. To be a tax collector, a tax collector is a traitor. See, Israel right now is conquered by Rome. Tax collectors are Jews that turn their back on Israel and now work for Rome, going to exploit them, take Israel's money to employ the army that comes and cracks down on Israel. Like, they are traitors. They are the worst people. And there is such hostility from the religious elite for these people that I, I don't know, and I've been trying to think of a way to, to help us understand what they felt about them, and I don't, I don't know that I can. I don't think we have anything equivalent. They hated them. They blamed them for their occupation by Rome. Like they believed that God was punishing Israel because of these sinners and tax collectors. One Jewish writing from the time said this. It's not in the Bible. This is a, a Jewish writing outside. Let not a man associate with the wicked, not even to bring him to the law or to bring him to church. Let's put it there. That is the value system. They are so wicked and so alienated, God hates them so much that you are not to associate with them. Even if they want to come learn about God, you don't associate with them. And it's that environment that Jesus now launches in. Jesus goes on the offensive. Whenever he hears the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling about this, he goes into offensive. Now, we've talked about this before. Jesus is not a middle-aged white American. He's a Middle Eastern rabbi, which means this. If this would have happened in America and Jesus would have heard this, he'd just say, okay, guys, here's the, re the reason that I eat with tax collectors and sinners is because, number one, God loves them. No, like, that's how we would approach the situation, correct? We, logic, reason. That doesn't happen in a Jewish society. He's a Middle Eastern rabbi. What is Jesus going to do to make his point? He's going to tell a story. A parable. And this parable is not this little simple children's story. As a matter of fact, I think we could do 12 weeks on this parable with all the theological insights that this has in it. And so when Jesus jumps into these stories, these Pharisees knew exactly what he was doing. He was making a point. They didn't know what point yet, but he was making a point and they picked up on that. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to be in the crowd with Jesus. And I want you to think about what it would be like to have a group of people that you despised and that you believed with all your heart that God despised and that you believed they were the source of all of your country's trouble. That's what I want you to look at today. I want you to sit in the crowd as a Pharisee as Jesus tells this story. 
And so Jesus jumps into the first story of this lost sheep and the shepherd, and he says the shepherd goes to find his sheep. And you're hearing this, and you're like, okay, I, I know Jesus is talking about sinners. What does this mean? Then he goes into a story of this lost coin and a woman. First of all, if you're a Pharisee, you don't like the idea that he brought a woman into the picture because you view women as way less. A woman who searches for a lost coin and finds it and then has a celebration. You're like, okay, what is he, what's the point he's doing? And then Jesus tells another story, three stories. And the third one is going to pack a punch. And you ain't going to like it. But I want us to sit today, not as someone who understands God's love, but someone who hates the fact that Jesus eats with those people. Verse 11. Jesus jumps in. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And the, fa- the father divided his property between them. Now, when the son, when this younger son, so we have three characters. We have a father, a younger son, an older son. When this younger son comes to his father and says, give me my share of the property, here's what he was saying. Father, I wish you were dead. Give me the money that could, because when's an inheritance come to you? That's a question. Come on. Someone dies. If, if you're new to Hill City, we, we interact, or at least I try to get them to interact. Thank you. Teresa helps me. The rest of you sometimes sit there. Yeah, you, you get an inheritance when the father dies. When he says, give me my share of the property, here's what he's saying. Father, I wish you were dead. Now, again, that packs a punch in our society We have no idea the punch this packs in a Jewish hierarchical society where the father is the patriarch of the family. The number one rule is you honor your father. As a Pharisee, when you heard this, you're, I mean, your just blood boils. How how could a son talk to his dad like that? The father in this culture would be expected to literally beat his son and drive him out of the family for good. It is that offensive. But the father, in this first act, as a Pharisee, catches you off guard. The father divides his property? Are you kidding me? No father does that. I mean, the boy's lucky he doesn't get killed. But the father divides his property, gives the son, he gives him the freedom to reject this relationship. And not only this, so when we hear this story again, we read this through our Western mindset, and we read this in a very individualistic society. Like, what happens in your family, I really don't know about. Right? What, what happens in mine, most of you don't know about. We've got to remember, this is not an individual society. This is a communal society. And, and when I heard this story as a kid, and, and even in my early 20s, like, I always pictured this in, on a farm, like a ranch out in the country. Anyone have that picture of this story? Yeah, that, that's how I did. Right out in the country, and this father comes, because we know this guy has a lot of money because he has servants, so like, like this big farm, maybe a vineyard. Here's the reality. People didn't live out in the wilderness in this day. You know why? You get killed. There is no protection by yourself out there. People lived in small villages, small towns. The average town is about six acres. If you've been to our Bolivar installation property, it's seven acres. Give you an idea, like most people lived in these small communities where everything that happened was a community event whether you like it or not. 
And, <laughs> and more, more, like, not only the son going to his father and saying, give me my share of the inheritance, not only does that hurt the father, but there is a public shame that has just happened. Like, this son has just rebelled, and everyone knows about it. Everyone sees it. Everyone's astonished that the father would let him go and actually gives him his inheritance. And I can imagine the townspeople, yeah, do you know what John did? No, he gave his stupid son. His... That's, like, there's a, there's a communal thing that happens here. One Jewish rabbi at the time said this, slander by a whole town is a worse terror than death. It's not just the weight of what happens in this family in a living room. It's the weight of what happens in a town. There was a ceremony called a Kedeshaw ceremony where uh, if something like this happened, here's what would happen is the dad or someone in the town seeing this would gather the whole town together. They would take a mason jar, like a glass jar. They would fill it with parched corn and nuts. Why that? I have no idea. They'd fill this jar with parched corn and nuts, and then they would break the jar in the company of the community, declaring that this son is now cut off from the family and from the community. This is not a private affair on a ranch out in the, in the countryside. This is in a village in the heart, and everyone sees it. Everyone sees it. Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. When you hear far country, again, I want you to think this idea, because if you're a, if you're a, a Pharisee hearing this, you think far country, here's what you hear, Gentiles. That's you all, by the way, not, not Pharisees, like non-Jews, that's us. Less than. God-haters. People that God hates, Gentiles. That's what you hear when you hear far country. And he goes off into a far country, and it says he squanders his inheritance in reckless living. He lives it up. He lives with this idea that death will never be there. He just kind of embraces it all. And when you hear this as a Pharisee, here's what you're thinking, yeah. And it's filth like him that's the problem. Leaves his father, asks for his money, then takes his father's money and goes and blows it in a... In a distant land with Gentiles and does what they do. Yep, it's exactly the problem here. Exactly the problem. Now, pause. What character's missing so far? Mom, what, what character's missing? Older brother. And again, in, in my research, I didn't know this until I started researching, in a Jewish society, the older brother is right underneath the father in the, in the hierarchy and the older brother is expected in a situa like, situation like this to jump in, right? This isn't, this isn't like an older brother is just, well, it's my father and my dad's business. No, that doesn't happen in Jewish society. The elder brother is expected to jump in and bring some mediation in this situation. Go talk to his younger brother. Hey, you do not want to do this. We need to honor our dad. Like the, the older brother is expected to jump in, but he is silent. He has no voice here. He's, he does nothing to stop what's happening. Verse 14, and when, they had, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the field to eat pigs. You love this part of the story, Pharisees. <laughs> yeah, get what he deserves. 
And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And you are quite pleased. He's getting what he deserves. And it's interesting, Jesus chose pigs because Jews at this time, the pigs were unclean, bacon's off limits. It's like, yeah, he gets it. Get him, Jesus. He gets his. And I can see in the crowd, this is like appreciation, approval of what Jesus is saying. So this son's passionate pursuit of freedom. That's why I left, right? Give me my share of the property. I, I want freedom. I don't want this bondage of a home with you. Give me my freedom. His passionate pursuit of freedom brought him pain and bondage. There's a whole other sermon there. Verse 15, but when he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? I perish here with hunger. I will rise, I'll go to my father, I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Okay, now, pause, because this is a part of the story that I think we get wrong so often. Because can, can you picture this son, young son, he's, he's lost everything, he has no money. In those days, the only option is he hires himself out, he, he's got the lowest of the low jobs, he's feeding pigs, he's so hungry, he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. And we have this picture of like, oh, my father. I just need to go back to my father. I need to go back to his love. And like, that's not what happens here. Is this repentance? No. Now remember, this is the third story of two stories before it. So in the first story, you have a sheep that has wandered off and is alone and a shepherd who goes to find the sheep. And in this story, what does the sheep do to get found? Nothing. Nothing. It just is there in the wilderness lost, and the shepherd comes to find it. The next story, you have a coin that's lost, and a woman searches the whole house until she finds it. you got to help me out here. What did the coin do to get found? Nothing. Then you have a third story, a son that's feeding pigs. What, did the son, what is the son going to do to get found? He's going to do nothing. Here's what he says. I have nothing to eat. If I go back to my father and get hired on as one of his servants, now I'll have food. Where is the focus? Himself. It is all, it's like it has been the whole time. It's about number one. Like even in, in thinking, I'll go back to my father and expect him to hire me. He's already forgotten the debt he owes. I mean, he has squandered all of his father's Half of his father's inheritance go to, he's lost it. There is no concern for the father. There's no concern for the shame he brought on the father. He expects to be paid because he's hungry. He wants food. He views himself no longer as a son and his father as his loving father. He now views himself as a servant and his father as Someone to give him money to get more food. This isn't 
wallowing in the filth of the pigs and like, oh, I'm just going to return to the love of my father. I've made a big mistake in my life. That's not what happens here. So he arose and he comes back to his father. Now, imagine this. As he's coming back, he is rehearsing what he's going to say. He has his line to kind of get into his father's good graces because, remember, he wants to be a hired servant to get some food. Meanwhile, the father's there, and we're going to see that the father knows his son will fail. He knows his son. He knows he'll fail. The father's been watching, but there's another element that we miss, and that is the village here. Because for this son to walk back into the village, there is likelihood that a mob of people in that village will go kill the boy before he gets in the gate. If they do allow him in, they're sitting back to watch like, all right, this is going to be good because this father is getting ready to go beat this boy. And the father knows this. He knows he can't let his son get into the village. Verse 21. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion on him. And he ran and embraced him. So you have this picture of the son coming, the father seeing, which there's this whole other sermon. The father knows he's going to fail and he's looking. And before this son can get into the village to experience the shame that he should experience and the beating that he should get, the father runs out to him. And he felt compassion. Now, Pharisee. You are angry. Because a Middle Eastern father is not supposed to feel compassion right now. A Middle Eastern father is supposed to feel rage. He felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Again, notice he has no idea that he would become a son. There's no idea in his mind that he could ever be restored. It's just, I want to be a servant. I'll be a hired hand. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found, and they begin to celebrate. So we have this picture of the son coming back. Before he gets into the village, the father runs out to greet him. The son expecting, maybe as the father's running, the son's like, all right, here it goes. I'm getting what I deserve. The son gets out his line, but as that happens, like the father comes up and he runs, and instead of hitting him, he embraces him and he kisses him. And a Middle Eastern patriarch is not supposed to do this. And as a matter of fact, a Middle Eastern patriarch man is not supposed to run. Like there is this whole honor system tied to how a Middle Eastern man is supposed to carry himself. Again, a Jewish rabbi says this, a man's manner of walking tells you what he is. There's a value system here. And Middle Eastern patriarchs do not run, especially run to their rebellious kid. But this man in the story runs. Like, imagine today you get home and you watch the news and you see uh, the, the president coming in on his helicopter to the White House and his suit on 
And the president lands, and we expect him, you know, to walk real slow, proud, you know, wave, but instead he just takes off running. <laughs> that doesn't work. Have you ever seen that? No. Proud, respectable men don't run. Boys run. Servants run. Slaves run. These proud men don't run, but this father takes all the cultural expectations of what he should do and he just turns them upside down and he runs toward this son. The father takes the form of a servant running through the streets of this small little six-acre town to go meet his son. And when he gets to his son, he takes a robe and he puts it on him. And he takes a ring and he puts it on his finger. This is the father restoring sonship. It's not just, hey, come back. Yeah, you can stay at the house. You can work. No, this is you are completely restored. It is when he puts a robe in the ring, it's like the son never left. All that was lost is restored. Now, this is the third story in a row, Pharisee, where you've heard Jesus talk about something being lost and being found. And you could deal with a sheep, a coin, eh, maybe the woman part threw you off, you didn't like that. But a rebellious son who squanders his father's property in the land of the Gentiles and comes back and the father embraces him, you are furious and this is why you want to kill Jesus. Because this is exactly what he is doing. He is going to those that you think are despised, rejected, and he is welcoming them in. The Pharisees grumbled that Jesus would eat with tax collectors and sinners and Jesus tells a story and here's what he says. I don't only eat with them, but just like this shepherd looking for a sheep and just like this woman looking for a coin and just like this, son, this father who ran out to greet his son, I welcome them. I welcome them. And I don't just go out to them. I welcome them. I eat with them. As a matter of fact, in a few days, I'm going to do this costly act of love just like this father, and I'm going to win these people back to myself. That's exactly what I do, Pharisees. That's what Jesus is doing. It's like that awkward moment. You ever have one of those moments where everyone's in a room and someone says something like, oh, he just went there. You know, I wanted to tell a story or two, but everyone, it was so awkward, I didn't want to, I didn't want to relive it again. You know, a group of people, Jesus just went there. And he just embarrassed you in front of everyone, because there's a crowd of people around, and he just went after and said, this is exactly why I do what I do. And he t lays out for them the price of redemption Ephesians 2.13, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That Jesus on the cross would bring all of those rebellious near to himself by his blood. That's what he's communicated to them. And the Father is this picture of Jesus, right? And the Father, if we look at the story, the Father becomes a suffering servant to win back the Son to himself. And so Jesus will do the same thing. The father will run through the streets to go and greet the son. Jesus will carry a cross through the streets. 
The Father will run outside the gate to welcome the Son. Jesus will carry that cross outside the gate of Jerusalem to take the shame. The Father absorbs all of the shame and the wrath and the anger into himself, and so Jesus will do the same. As the Father pays the price of redemption for the Son, so Jesus will pay the price. What is the point of the story? The point of the story is not a rebellious little boy that came back. The point of the story is the Father's crazy love that doesn't make sense and that's scandalous. Now the story's not over. So Pharisee, you are angry right now. And this is why this Jesus guy must be done away with. And why? In a few days, you will kill him. Because he keeps going. And the audience is giving a role in the story. You're actually given a voice now in the story. Verse 25, now the older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So the brother has disappeared, the older brother from the story we have this story, we think it's over. The son has come home, they begin to celebrate, they have this great party celebrating the love of the father. And then it, he goes on, the older son. Well, we forgot about him. No, he's been out in the field. And what has he been doing in the field? Working the whole time, this rebellious son. He's been doing what he is supposed to do. And he hears this party coming. He hears the bass, and he comes back. He's like, what's going on? And the servant says, hey, your, your brother, your, your younger brother has come back. He's found, and your father's forgiven him. It's this great party. How will he respond? Verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in to the party. His father came out and entreated him. It's interesting. Once again, you have a son, this time not the younger, this time the older, alienating himself from the father. They're having this party. It's a celebration of the father's love. And this older son says, no, I ain't going in. Now, once again, the father in a Middle Eastern society should go out and beat his son and say, you get your butt into this party. This is what we're... But he doesn't. Once again, the father takes the form of humility and goes out to the son the older son. And he says, come in. Verse 29, he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yeah, that's probably a lie. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends, but when this son of yours, notice he can't say his name when this son of yours, came, or came who has devoured your property with, with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Here's what the older son just did. He just showed his cards. Why did he do it? Why does he do what he does? To get something. Is it about the father? Nope. Who's it about? Him. See, the younger son rebels in his bad behavior, the older son rebels in his, quote, good behavior. But they're both alienated. They're both lost sons. 
Verse 31, he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and alive. He was lost and is found. Like the, the, the father reminds him, Son, don't lose track. Like everything that I have is yours. Nothing changed with you. You are my son. You, every, like, let's go celebrate because my love that I have for this boy, I also have for you. Come, celebrate. And the story ends. Now this just became one of those movies that you watch. You're like, oh, did it, did it, this screen went black. It better not end. And then there's a credit. You're like, oh. Right? This is what happens here. Now, again, Jesus is telling a story in a Jewish, they, they know why he's telling a story. They know he's making a point. Here's what Jesus did, Pharisee. He just wrote you into the story. Guess who you are? The older brother. Angry that while you've been doing what he says, nothing wrong, all these rebellious people are welcomed into the party. And Jesus just gave you a voice in the story, here's what Jesus is telling them. Not only do I go for the broken sinner and the tax collector, but I also go to you, the self-righteous Pharisee. And I'm inviting you in. Come to the party. The party is about the costly love of the Father. Because here's the reality, Pharisee. If I don't eat with them, I can't eat with you. Because you're just like them. Now you are ready to kill him. The story ends. Come on, older son, come into the party. All that I have is yours. Come and celebrate because our son is lost and is found. The story ends. But here's what I might say to you. The story doesn't end. Matter of fact, I would tell you the story, the end of the story is written right into it. What happens after this, if it's a sitcom, you know, back, you know, the cue the music. Oh, oh, Dad, you're right. Golly gee, I should. That's an Andy Griffith. You know, golly gee, Dad, I should come back in. Oh, you're right. That's what would happen in the sitcom. What's the end of the story? Here's what I would propose to you. The end. I think it's written into your Bible. The older son, so angry that the father would welcome the son back. He kills the father. That's the end of the story. Because you, the self-righteous Pharisee, so angry that Jesus would welcome sinners, and not many days after, will refuse to join the party, and you will kill him. See, the story is about a son that was welcomed back by the father by no action of his own, and an older brother who couldn't accept that love, who then rebelled against the father and killed him. This story is the gospel. It's the narrative of the Bible. The narrative of the Bible is God's costly love is extended not just to the outcast, but also to the self-righteous Pharisee. And so Jesus will get killed, he'll die, but death does not hold him. And three days later, he will rise 
from the grave, thus securing redemption for all. And now here's where we ask ourselves. Notice I haven't really done this. Where do you find yourself in the story? I purposely did not make this story about you because it's not. The story is not even about the son. It's about the father and his costly love. And now the invitation to say, okay, where do you find yourself in the story? By the way, we're all the younger son. Don't ever think just because I, I wasn't all strung out on drugs, I'm not the younger. No, we all have walked away. You may find yourself still there. You may find yourself as the older brother, kind of sitting back like this all the time, kind of judging everyone else. Where do you find yourself in the story? See, the resurrection that we celebrate today is not just celebrating that Jesus died for sins, but celebrating the fact that Jesus resurrected in a new life, overcoming sin. Hear me on this. The resurrection is not about you becoming a better person. The resurrection is about you becoming a totally new person in Christ. This is not a story for all you that made a mess of your life. Come and let's try to be better together. No, it's come and be totally transformed by the love of the Father. That is the gospel. It's for bitter people to become forgiving people. It's, the gospel is about greedy people becoming giving people. The gospel is about selfish people becoming servants. It's not becoming a little less selfish. It's total transformation. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of the resurrection. And this church is made up of a bunch of lost sons and daughters who have squandered their property and reckless living, all each in our own way, have walked away from God. But God in his radical love has welcomed us back and is making us new. He's not making us better. He's making us new. Have you been made new? Have you experienced this? Here's a question I'll leave you with as we get ready to go to communion. The son, younger son, as he is laying in the mud, has the idea to go back, but it's not to go back and be a son. It's to go back and be a slave, a servant, to make money, to get something from the father. The question I'd invite you to ask yourself today is you came to church. Am I a son or a daughter? Or my servant, my slave. I don't mean servant is like, oh, I serve. I mean servant is in. I'm treating the Father as to get something from Him. If I come to church today, then I'll get my wage, some nice blessings, maybe a nice little home in heaven. Or do you view the Father as a son? Is yourself a son? Is yourself a daughter? Who knows your identity is loved by Him? is welcomed by him as you came into church today. Like, I don't, yeah, I made some mistake this week, but I walked in. I'm welcomed as a son, as a daughter. How do you view yourself? Where do you find yourself in the stories? We go to communion today. At Hill City, we do communion every single week. We believe it's a practice that shapes us. One of the things I want to point out today, when this son came, comes home, the father and the son don't just go have a little meal together. What do they do? They throw a corporate party, a communal party. Your Christian life is not just you. It's us. And, com and communion today is a picture of us coming together to have a meal to celebrate the love of the Father. It's about coming back to the family. 
So as we receive communion today, may we understand the cost of forgiveness. May we celebrate the love of the Father, and may we do that as a family, feasting on the goodness of the Father. Will you close? Let's close with a corporate prayer of thanksgiving. And this is an old prayer written from this, um, from this story from years ago. Say this with me. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Father, we say that together. We thank you together.